Well, today we're going to continue our series we started uh, together last Sunday entitled Only Believe. And we began talking about how do we embrace faith in a world of fear when we are constantly bombarded uh, by the negative circumstances and situations, not only personally in our own lives, but in our world and in our nation and in our world all around us. uh, How do you stay in a place of faith where you can continue to move forward, grab hold of what God has for your life, and really continue to make a difference? Because that really is our heart and our passion is to equip and empower people to make a difference. How many know it's not enough just to show up at church on Sunday morning? God actually wants to to do something in us consistently so that as we walk out the doors of this building every week that we carry something of Him. We carry His light, His love, His truth in such a powerful way that it literally changes the world that we're living in. So let's look together in uh, Mark chapter 5, and we're going to see our scripture together this morning. And we started here last week. The Bible says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, somebody say, heard about Jesus. How many of you glad you heard about Jesus? So anybody glad you heard about Jesus? Amen. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she, fell, uh, she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, who said, Your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. What did he say? Only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And so we begin to look, if you look at that first point on your outline, we recognize that what we believe determines what we receive, right? Over and over in Scripture, Jesus says, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you as you have believed. And we recognize that what we believe really does determine what we receive in our lives. But we began to talk about last week how that faith and fear are both forms of belief, right? If I'm in faith, I'm believing what God says, and if I'm in fear, then I'm believing what the enemy says. And how many of you know there's always a report from the Lord, and there's always a report from the enemy, right? Every time you get new information into your life, the devil always says something, and God always says something. And it determines whose report you believe that's going to determine the result of whether you're going to move into a place of faith and believe from God and receive what he has for you, you're going to move into a place of fear. If you look at that next point, we said that faith anticipates the future. How do I know if I'm living a life of faith or whether I'm living a life of fear? Well, it's really simple. Faith anticipates the future. Why? Because faith is believing God for something good to happen, right? Faith is believing that God is going to work all things together for my good. Faith is believing that by his stripes I am healed. Faith is believing that somehow in the midst of the negative painful, hurtful circumstances of life, 
God is able to turn this thing around, and I'm going to come out on the upside because of who Jesus is. Amen? And so when you begin to live by faith, it doesn't mean that there aren't negative circumstances. It doesn't mean there are problems and difficulties. It just simply means that there is now an anticipation of life because I'm believing that God is good, that God is for me and not against me, that God has my back, amen, and that God desires His kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if I am willing by faith to get an agreement with God, I can see His plans fulfilled in my life even in the most difficult circumstances. But if I'm in fear, guess what happens? If I'm in fear, I begin to dread the future. Right? And if you listen to people talk all the time, you hear dread consistently. Well, I dread going to work tomorrow. I dread going home and dealing with the family. I dread paying the bills. I, I dread dealing with this person. I dread dealing with that problem. And all of a sudden, we allow fear to create a dread, a spirit of dread that causes us to push back from what God intended and what God, in, God purposed that should be a good thing. Again, how many of you recognize that some of the most difficult circumstances of your life have worked out for your good. Right? You have walked through some things, and right now you can look back on your life and you can recognize that it was in those seasons of your life that you held tightly to Jesus that God brought you through and brought you out on the other side. And though we may never want to go through it again, most of us will probably say, I'm thankful that I've had that experience because in the midst of that, I saw and learned the faithfulness of God in a way beyond anything I'd ever experienced before. I've walked through some valleys I never want to walk through again, but I can tell you today I'm thankful for the fact that in the midst of the valley, right, I don't have to be afraid. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right, because thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff they come for me. So if I'm in faith, I'm anticipating. If I'm in fear, I'm dreading. And so that's just a good, we called it a gut check last week, right? That's just a good gut check to check our hearts and really see where are we living. Are we living in faith? Are we living in fear? And we even talked about how that it's possible to live in faith in some arenas of your life and live in fear in other arenas of your life, right? You may have faith and anticipate good things in your family, but live in dread and fear about your job. And so we recognize that we've got to check our hearts and make sure that we're not being driven by fear, but we're being led by faith, amen, by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that next point. So we said that facts, facts are not our enemy, right? Facts are neutral, right? Facts actually initiate faith or they initiate fear based on what we believe about God. Facts initiate faith or facts initiate fear based upon what we believe about God. The Bible said of the woman with the issue of blood that because she had heard of Jesus, right, she knew the facts. What were the facts? The facts was she had an incurable disease. The fact was she had went to many doctors and suffered many things and was no better. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she got worth. The facts was she had spent all of her living, right, she was broke, busted, and disgusted and was at the end of her rope. And those were the facts, and she knew it. But guess what? Because she had heard about Jesus, because of a living faith, because there was a spirit of faith that was burning in her, all of a sudden something happened. The facts drove her to a place of faith where she pressed in to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And that's the amazing thing, because we've all seen people, right? We've seen two people go through the same identical circumstances, and one person come out in faith, and one person come out in fear. 
We've seen people walk through similar situations, right? We've seen people walk through death, and we've seen people walk through sickness and disease. We've seen people walk through financial loss and setbacks. And we've all seen people that came through those difficult times, and they came through with a spirit of faith. And then we've seen some other people that came out with a spirit of fear. And the reality is, unfortunately, at the end of the day, they both received what they believed. Right? The person that was in faith and believing that God was somehow going to make a way, guess what? God made a way. The person that was in fear, thinking nothing's ever changed and it's just going to get worse, guess what happened? Nothing changed and it got worse. Because we do actually receive what we believe, whether we're in faith or whether we are in fear. So we ask the question, so how do we embrace faith in a world of fear? How do we do that? How do we embrace faith in a world of fear? Well, number one, last week we said we have to embrace Jesus, right? We have to embrace Jesus because it is our belief in Him that initiates faith over fear. And what I love about the story we read about uh, the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus, the, the ruler of the synagogue, is that they had both heard about Jesus and both of them pursued Christ. If we're going to embrace faith, we've got to embrace Jesus. Right, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, without faith it is impossible to please God. Now look at the rest of this verse, and they that come to God must believe that he is. So what does faith do? Faith compels you to come to God. Faith compels you to pursue Jesus, right? When you're in a place of faith, you are pursuing the Lord, right? Think about those times in your life where maybe you went through a difficult season and you pressed into the Lord, right? You were believing God. You know what I do? You know what I know about me? When I am believing God for breakthrough, I'm not missing my quiet time. Right? When I believe in God for breakthrough, I'm not missing my prayer time. When I believe in God for breakthrough, I'm not missing my time of worship. When I believe in God for breakthrough, I'm not missing my time at the feet of Jesus. Because when I'm in faith, you know what faith does? Faith compels me to come. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Because they that come to God must believe that He is. Faith compels us to come to Jesus. Right? It's a good indicator. It's a good indicator that you've shifted into fear instead of faith when you start pulling away from your quiet time and you start pulling away from times of prayer and worship and you start pulling away from the Word of God. And all of a sudden, instead of studying the Word, you're fretting over the things that are going on in your life. And let's just be honest, we've all been there and done that, right? We've all had those times where because of circumstances and because of fear, we pulled back instead of pressed in. Why? Because when you get out of faith, you pull away. When you're in faith, you draw near to the presence of God. And so I love this story in Mark 5 because the woman and the, and the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, they both drew near. They embraced Jesus. And we said last night or last week, we kind of, we quoted Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray said, faith doesn't move God, faith moves us. Right? God's already moved. God has already accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished by His Spirit and by His Word on the cross. Right? Jesus said, it is finished. Right? And so we said, we've got to have faith. We've got to believe that Jesus is who He says He is and that He has already done everything that needs to be done. Right? We asked the question, what did God have to do for you to get saved? Nothing. It was already done. He had already paid the price. He had already offered the redemption. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. What did he have to do for you to get saved? Nothing. All you had to do was get in faith. And when you got in faith, you could receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and your heart could be made brand new. 
Well, guess what? The same thing is true about your healing. It's about your deliverance, about your prosperity. All you've got to do is get into a place of faith so you can begin to receive. Faith moves us to a place of obedience and alignment and submission to God so we can begin to receive what God has purposed for our lives. Fear disconnects you from that. Right? The old preachers used to have a little saying. They say, you want to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Right? You want to get up under the spout where the glory comes out. Well, if you could just, if you could just imagine that spout of God's glory, God is pouring out, and He has already poured out everything that we need. Fear pulls us away. Faith draws us in where we can receive what God has poured out by the Holy Spirit through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus, right? So we embrace Christ. First John chapter 5 told us this. It says, faith is the victory, right, that overcomes the world. And who is he who overcomes the world, the Bible says, but he who believes that Jesus is, right? It's not faith in myself. It's not faith in you. It's faith in him. Jesus told the disciples, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. How do we move the mountain? Have faith in God. How do we overcome the hurdle? Have faith in God. How do we work through the marital problems? Have faith in God. How do we get out of financial debt? Have faith in God. How do we turn our lives around? Have faith in God, right? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But again, it's not faith in ourselves. It's not faith in others. It is faith in Jesus, right? We don't put our confidence in man. We put our confidence in God because man fails, amen? Me and you on our best day are not our best, <laughs> right? But God is faithful and just and true, and we can run to Him. And when we embrace Him by faith, we step into the victory that God has for our lives. So let's look at our second thought today, kind of. So how do we embrace faith in a world of fear? Number two, we embrace the Word of God. We embrace the Word of of God, right? We stand on God's Word and we war with God's Word. I want you to see this. We stand on God's Word and we war with God's Word. Romans 10, 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do we embrace faith? We embrace the Word. Let me just encourage you in something. You've heard me say this a hundred times, probably, probably more than that. Read your Bible. Well, that's so spiritual. Aren't y'all glad y'all came to church today? Read your Bible. That's worth the price of admission right there. Read your Bible. I'm convinced that much of the counseling that we do would be ended if people would just read the Bible. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And many times the reason we need counseling is because we've moved into a place of fear and somebody's got to help us get back into a place of faith where we can receive what God has for us. That's what we do. That's what has to happen, right? When we counsel people, what we're really doing is trying to redirect them to the Word of God, right? We got an awesome counseling ministry here at Liberty Church. It's called Liberty Council Ministry. And let me tell you what all of our counselors have been trained to do. Take people to the Word. Ain't that right, Miss Lilia? We take people to the Word of God. That's what we do. 
When we counsel people, we're going to take you to the Word, and we're going to take you to the Word, and we're going to take you to the Word. Why? Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Where's faith comes from? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And all of a sudden, I begin to understand the Word. I begin to read the Word. I begin to study the Word. And the Word of God releases faith. It releases faith in my heart, faith to believe that God can turn this situation around, faith to believe that God is bigger and greater and grander than my problem or my difficulty. Because what happens in our world, right? Because faith comes by hearing, but guess what? Fear comes by hearing too. Right? We hear the report of the Lord, and we give place to fear, and all of a sudden we're fearful and we're afraid. And what happens is, is that we allow the mountain to be made bigger than our God. Let me just give you, this is just a little Keith Hodges. I'm just going to throw this, y'all can throw this right out. If you want to keep it, you can keep it. If you want to get rid of it, you can get rid of it. I'm going to give you just a little Keith Hodges right here. I have found out that I can watch about 15 to 20 minutes of news every day and find out everything that's going on in the world. I don't need six hours of the same old bad news. And one of the things that I see consistently in people, I see people that consistently that, that just digest and digest and digest and digest. Well, CNN said this, and Fox said this, and ABC said this, and NBC said this. What did God say? Now, again, we need the facts. We don't need to bury our head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend nothing's going on. We need to be aware of what is going on in our world. But if we're not careful, we will become so saturated with the bad news that we won't be able to process the good news. And so we need to be aware, right? We need the information. Information is good. We need the facts because the facts allow us to war accurately, right? I need to know what I'm fighting against. But I don't need to get so saturated in the bad news that I become negative, that I become fearful, right? And all of a sudden, I start being driven by fear instead of led by faith. And all of a sudden, I begin to dread tomorrow, and I dread my life, and I dread my future for my grandchildren, and I'm just living in this spirit of dread. Why? Because I have been bombarded by the bad news instead of taking time to digest the good news of God's Word. Man, this is so deep today, right? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It will change your life. Read your Bible. Why? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, right? When we read the Bible, it brings the Word of God alive inside of us. Let me just encourage you in something else. Read it out loud. I encourage people, read the Bible out loud. God's Word in your mouth is the most powerful word you're ever going to hear. God's Word in your mouth is the most powerful Word you're going to hear. Praise God for good preaching. I told you a few weeks ago I love to listen to good preaching. I listen every day to other pastors and preachers from all over the nation. And I love the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. But I just want to tell you something. There is no substitute for God's Word in my mouth. You need to hear the Word of God coming out of your mouth. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I want to ask you a question today. Here's look at our next point on our outline. So here's the question. What are you standing on? What are you standing on? When we stand on the Word of God, we are standing in faith. When we stand on the Word of God, we are standing in faith. The facts inform us, but God defines us. What are you standing on? Because it's so critical to determine what you're standing on. Right? We need facts. The facts inform us, but it's God that defines us. If we allow the facts to define us, man, we're going to live this roller coaster ride. And I'm just telling you, I, I just, I can't stand roller coaster Christianity. The Bible says that we're supposed to go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. 
Now, I know, that, I know that doesn't mean there's no valleys. There's lots of valleys, and there's lots of struggles, and there are lots of challenges. But I believe instead of living the roller coaster Christianity, right? Well, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I love Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to do. I love Jesus. Why has God left me? I love Jesus. I'm so discouraged. I'm so excited about God. I don't know why God's done this to me. Right? Man, I like to listen to people. I talk a whole lot, but I actually can't listen. I enjoy listening to people because you could tell a whole lot because the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And I hear a whole lot of a roller coaster Christianity. I hear a whole lot of it. Man, we're up one day, we're down one day. We're up one day, we're down one day. You know why? Because we've allowed the facts to define us instead of God to define us. We're being defined by the report of the world instead of being defined by the report of God. See, facts again. I believe we need the facts. I believe we need to know what we're fighting against. I believe we need to know what we're warring against. I think we need to be well-informed and well-educated. But I also believe that we need to understand that our identity does not come from the facts of the world. Our identity comes from God. God defines us. I am who He says I am, and I can do what He says I can do. Because I am His Son, and He is my Father, and He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? And there is none like Him. You are who He says you are. You're not what the world defies you. You're not well because the doctor says you're well. You're well because God says by your stripes he's healed. You're not blessed because you got a lot of money in the blank. You're, you're blessed because God says you're blessed. You're the head, not the tail. You're the top, not the bottom. You're the first and not the last. Right? And if you allow the world to define you, you're going to live this roller coaster Christian life. But if you let God begin to define you by His Word, and all of a sudden the Word of God becomes the standard for who you are and how you live, and you begin to stand on the Word, I am who God says I am, I can do what God says I can do, because God is God and you're not. And I'm not either, praise God. We got to be defined by the Word of God. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 6 is known as the spiritual warfare chapter. And in, in Ephesians 6 verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then in Ephesians 6 verse 14, he says, stand therefore. If you read that entire chapter there, Paul over and over says, stand. Having done all you can do, stand. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand. And then stand, and then stand, and then stand. Let me tell you something. What are you standing on? It matters, right? we got to be standing on the Word of God because much of your victory is just going to come by standing. It's when you refuse to be moved away from the truth of who Jesus Christ says you are that you begin to win the battle. I'm going to say that again. That was so good. When you refuse to be moved away from the truth of Jesus Christ, that is when you win the battle. You've got to refuse to be moved away, right? You've got to stand on the promise of God. I am loved. I am accepted. I am pleasing to God. I am a child of God. I have a future and I have a hope. I'm not an outcast. I have been welcomed in by the grace and the mercy of God. I am His child, and He delights in me, and He rejoices over me, and He sings over me with song. I am who God says I am. And all of a sudden, when you begin to stand, you win the battle, right? Victory comes by faith. Faith is the victory. I am who he says I am. Facts inform me, but God defines me. Let's look at a couple more scriptures. Psalms 119 verse 89 says this. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heaven. Forever. Forever, O Lord. 
Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heaven. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands what? Forever. God's word stands forever. Proverbs says this. It says, There are many devices in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. We got to make sure we are standing on the Word of God, right? We need the facts to inform us, but only God has the right to define us. Only God has the right to define us. Why? Because He created us. He formed us. He fashioned us in His image and in His likeness. We are image bearers of God. Think about that. We are image bearers of God, and no one can define who you're supposed to be better than the one that you were created to be like. Amen? And so we have to stand on the infallible Word of God. I cannot tell you how many victories Kelly and I have won by using this little simple formula right here. Here it is. This is how we win the battle. God said. Well, what are you going to do about that? I don't know. God said. Well, how are you going to handle that? I don't know. God said. What are we going to do about this? What are you going to do if this happens? I don't know. God said. God said. And I'm just going to tell you, that's not easy to stand. Sometimes one of the hardest things you're going to do is just stand in faith, right? Just stand on what God says. Stand on who you are. Stand on who God defines you to be. That's one of the most challenging things you're ever going to do. But I'm just going to tell you something. That is where you find victory. When you embrace the Word of God to a place where it becomes a foundation stone upon which you stand upon. Well, Pastor Keith, what if I don't get what I got? Well, we talked about it last week. At least you can die in faith. Amen? Amen. How bad is that? <laughs> right? We said it last week. It's better, to die, it's better to die in faith than it is to live in fear. Let's die in faith. Miss Sandy died in faith, believing God. What an awesome testimony. What an awesome testimony of her faith. She died in faith, believing God. What a way to go. Right? What a way to go. Let's, let's live and let's die in faith. Why? Because faith pleases God. Let's look at the next part. So here's the next question. What are you warring with? What are you standing on and what are you warring with? When we war with the Word of God, we are warring in faith. And this last statement is, is, is wonderful. God doesn't need our help. He works through our faith. God doesn't need our help. He works through our faith. God's not looking for your help. God is looking for your faith. God works through faith. God accomplishes through faith. We receive by faith. Victory comes by faith. Now, that doesn't mean we don't work because faith without works is dead. But we work in obedience to the Word of God. So let's talk about this. What are we warring with? Let's, let's look at a couple of Scripture. Ephesians 6, 17. It's kind of toward the end of the chapter there. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Our only weapon of warfare in Ephesians 6 is God's Word. It is our weapon of warfare. We war with the Word. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4. How many of y'all believe Jesus is a pretty good example? How about the perfect example? In Matthew 4, Jesus is being tempted by the enemy. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says the enemy comes to him, Satan comes to him, and every time he is tempted, look what Jesus said, verse 4, and Jesus answered and said, it is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, 
You shall not tempt the Lord your God. In verse 10, and Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It is written. Let me ask you, how many it is written have you said this week? It is written. It is written. It is written. Right? When Jesus was attacked, when Jesus was tempted, when Jesus was confronted with opportunities to do something that wasn't the plan or the purpose of God, Jesus responded with the Word. We war with the Word. It is written. It is written. God says this, and God says that, and we begin to war with the Word. Let me tell you what happens. When we war with the Word, we war in faith. But most of us find ourselves, and I'm guilty. Most of us find ourselves not warring in the spirit by faith, but warring in the flesh. Right? We try to help God. You ever been guilty of that? I mean, I'm going to raise both hands. <clears throat> I've tried to help God a lot. And I found out a long time ago, God doesn't need my help. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, every time I try to help God, I get in the way, <clears throat> I complicate the problem, and I usually make it worse. And usually I create more problems out of the problem. Let me give you a good biblical example, Abraham and Sarah. Right, Abraham and Sarah had a promise from God. I told you last week one of the greatest enemies of your faith is time. Right, God says and then you wait. And it's that time, right, that we many times struggle with staying true to what God has said. And so God made Abraham and Sarah a promise. He promised him he'd be the father of many nations. And after a little while went by, Sarah decided maybe we can help God. Right? And, and it kind of rolls out in my head kind of like this. I start, you know, I, I, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm trusting God to do something, and it's not happening as fast or the way that I thought it should happen. And then I start saying stuff like this to myself. Well, maybe if I, well, maybe if I did this, well, maybe if I said that, well, maybe if I kind of prodded them here, right? I mean, how many times have we tried to help God change people? I mean, right? We want to get that little junior Holy Spirit badge and put it on, right? I'm the junior Holy Ghost, and I'm going to convict you, and I'm going to make you feel so bad about your sin, you're going to have to change, right? And they don't change. They just get mad at you, and then they don't talk to you anymore. Right? Because we want to help God. Sarah said, God, I think maybe, maybe, maybe if I give Abraham my servant, we can have a child. And Abraham said, well, maybe if I sleep with Sarah's servant, we can have a child. But guess what? They didn't get Isaac. They got Ishmael. Because when you stop warring in the spirit and you start warring in your flesh, you start birthing things. Here's the problem that you got to raise. You start birthing things you got to raise. You start birthing things you got to take care of for the next 20 years. I'm not talking about natural babies. I'm talking about spiritual babies. I'm talking about the things we birth into existence, problems and difficulties and challenges, right? You get in financial trouble, right? You can't pay your bills, so you go borrow more money to pay the bills you already owe. And then you can't pay both those bills, right? Because maybe if... Maybe, maybe if I did this, this would help God. Maybe if I took this in my own hands. Maybe if I did this or if I did that or if I said this or if I said that. Let me just say something. Again, I'm not saying we don't say and do anything. I am saying that we say and do what God says. If I say and do what God says, then I'm in faith. 
if I say and do what I think, because how many of y'all know we're guilty? I'm guilty again, both hands. Man, I get in my mind and I start trying to figure it out. How can we make this happen faster, God, because you are slow? Right? I know y'all, I know y'all are holier than me, but I think that. I think, God, you are really slow, and I need, I'm in a hurry. And I need a miracle, and I need a breakthrough, and I need it right now, and I need you to do it today, because if you don't do it today, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I start helping God. And God's not looking for my help. God's looking for my faith. Let me give you one last scripture. It's found in the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. It's a prophetic psalm of Christ. And this is what it says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will declare the decree that the Lord has said to me. How do I war with the word? I declare the decree that God has spoken to me. I declare the decree. God says by his stripes I am healed. God says he'll make my way prosperous. God said he'll work all things together for my good, right? One of the things, let me just say something, one of the things we've prayed over our children most of their lives is we say, Father, I thank you that our children have an obedient and submissive spirit. We declare the decree of God because it's God's will that they be submissive and obedient to righteous authority. Well, Pastor Keith, have they always been submissive and obedient? Absolutely not. That's why we pray that prayer, right? That's why we declare and we decree the Word of God over them, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, no, when your children grow up, they get to a point where they're making their own decisions. They're making their own choices. They're having to deal with their own consequences. And you know what you can do? You can nag them, right? You can aggravate them. You can preach to them every time you get around them. Or you can declare and decree the Word of God over them. You can declare and decree God's Word over their life. You can declare and decree God's Word over your finances. You can declare and decree God's Word over your marriage. And that doesn't mean we don't do anything. It means we just obey and we declare what God says. So we're going to do what God says, and we're going to say what God says, and we're not going to get in our flesh, and we're not going to try to help God, and we're not going to try to manipulate the system, and we're not going to try to manipulate people. We're going to trust God. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So we declare and we decree and we stand upon and we obey what God says. And outside of that, we get out of His way. Because I found out a long time ago, when I get out of God's way, God can work beautifully. So I want us to do this. Let's just bow our heads this morning. Maybe you're here today and maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you came to church today just kind of checking out this Jesus thing and you're not really sure what you believe. But this is what I believe. I believe that God loves you so much that He brought you here today. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been knocking on your heart ever since you walked through the door of this building, actually probably before you got here this morning. And I believe right now you know that what you need more than anything is Jesus. And you know in your heart you've never accepted Christ, you've never truly surrendered your life to His Lordship, you've always been in the driver's seat, you've always been calling the shots, you've always been doing your own thing. But today you realize there's only one way, there's only one hope, and His name is Jesus. 
There's no plan B. There's no alternative route. There's no detour to heaven. There is one way, and His name is Jesus. And today God is calling you unto Himself. He says, whosoever will, let him come. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So this morning, if you're here today and you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and be your Lord and your Savior, and you want to surrender your life today to follow Him from this day forward, you're saying, hey, this is it. I've messed up my life, and I'm going to follow Jesus from this day forward. I'm going to commit my life to Him. If that's you right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to stand to your feet all over this building. I want you just to stand up. Be bold. Be courageous. Why? Because that's what faith is. Faith moves you, right? God's already moved. How about you? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do you believe there's no hope without Him? Do you believe that He's the only one that can make all things new? And are you? do you believe that He is able to govern and lead your life better than you can lead it yourself? If you are today, I want you just to stand and say, today I want to I surrender my life to Jesus. Just a bold act of faith. Just a bold act of faith. I'm about to pray and we're going to dismiss, but I don't want you to miss this moment. If you're here today and you've never been saved, today you want to trust Him. I want you to stand up right now. I'm going to count to three and then we're going to pray together and we're going to close this service. As I count, you stand one. Today God is calling you. Today you know more than anything else what you need is Jesus. Two, there's no hope without Him. There's no alternative. There's no plan B. You'll never be good enough to get your way to heaven. Three, today, whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, I thank You for this great congregation of people. I thank You that we are a spiritual family here today. And I pray today, God, that we would shift, that there would be a shift from fear to faith. God, that we would embrace Jesus and we would embrace the Word, that we would stand on and war with the Word of God, and that we would declare and decree Your Word over our lives, over our family, over our finances, and over our future. Because, God, Your Word is true. And you love us, and we thank you for that today. We thank you for a love that's never-ending and that has reached through eternity and time and space to touch our hearts and our lives today. We give you praise and glory, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We want to say to you today, we love you. God bless you today. If you're visiting with us, I'd love to meet you back in the cafe in our first-time guest area. God bless you. You're dismissed.